I couldn't understand, Gordon, was just how much chicken was at the bottom of the bowl? It's I mean... unbelievable, isn't it? <laughs> the other thing that I notice is when I when I order a salad, I, I, you know, I have the salad, it's, you eat all the stuff, there's so much lettuce, there's all just lettuce all the time, and it's always that sort of idiosyncrasy that happens and the chicken just as you say in what you were eating just stays at the bottom I, just, I, I, I don't know if I, oh I am recording Gordon we are recording it's um welcome to episode 5 series 2 how are you I'm very well very well I was just clinking well my indeed. bottles there yeah quite right that's the way to do it how are you oh you've had a busy this. week I had a very busy week Gordon very busy week um I had a, quite a special visitor in during yes. the week to the distillery. Yes. Well, we'll talk a bit about that later, but that was very exciting. So we'll talk about that. Uh-huh. And absolutely. A super fan, I think they're called. I think they're called that as well. And love. Super fan. Love uh, reared its head. Love did rear its head. In another, and, and that was the week before. Yeah, we're going to talk about that as well. No, that was fantastic. I mean, it's been uh, it's been a busy few weeks for, for our beloved Glengoyne. Um, it is indeed. And I think, and, uh, Gordon, just to start Whiskey Unscripted episode five with a dram, I uh, think I'm going to go with a Glengoyne. And I had my first taste of this last night. It is the new Legacy, chapter two. Oh. I know you've, now, had, a, you've had a try of this, have you? I have. And I... And I have to say, I love the difference between this oh. one and the last one. Yes. Um, and I'm, I'm assuming when you tasted it, you probably tasted somewhere around about, I'm just guessing, 48% first fill bourbon casks. Yes. Um, is the sort of makeup of this whiskey. Got sort of a little bit of American oak and European oak sherry and a bit of refill in there making up the rest. But this is a really bourbon forward Glengoyne, which you don't see very often. Really taken aback by just how fruity it is. Yeah. Lovely. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I just thought it was bursting with those pineapple peach notes. But yeah. what? You know, that's great because that, that would be enough for most whiskies. But just at the back of it, the um, lovely little bit of spice, a lovely wee bit of pepperiness, mm. a lovely wee bit of those sherry casks making their mark there as well. Yeah, no, And I belting. was, I have to say, a big fan of the first and I had a wee bit of apprehension when I came to, the, to, to it last night, but it is a belter. Of a whiskey, a lovely. It is a belter, absolutely, and and where the first one was celebrating our um, Cochrane Cartwright, the second Legacy Series Chapter Two, the one you have in your glass, is all celebrating about Peter Russell, and the Russells are current, you know, the owners of Glengoyne currently, who purchased it in 2003, and and really how they've taken that Glengoyne legacy and run with it and really, really protected Glengoyne. It's been fantastic. So that's the that's the story behind the Legacy Series Chapter Two. I am, however, yes. because it's a bit more Glengoyne than it has been for a long time, uh, this particular episode, I am drinking the new Cask Strength Batch number 8. Oh, hello, sir. Uh, which came out this week at the same time as the Legacy uh, Series Chapter 2. And this is an absolutely beautiful, beautiful whiskey. 59.2, but like all those Glengoyne Cask Strengths, it's, it's more like 50. It tastes yeah. more like 50. So you're not rushing to, to, to add water in it. It's got that sort of vanilla because there is a bit of bourbon cast in there and American oak Oloroso sherry casks. Very thick and mouthfeely, very strong, very buttery. Bit of water even makes it a bit sweeter. A little bit oaky, malty. Beautiful, beautiful whiskey. 
beautiful, beautiful whiskey. So if you like all the cast strengths that have gone before, one of the best cast strengths on the market, I have to say. Yeah, it's absolutely lovely. And there's a, not as much, about 16% first fill bourbon, so it's a wonderful way to contrast the legacy, which you said it's 48% first fill, with yeah. a big sherry whiskey, but 16% first fill bourbon there. So it's that, yeah. that fresh fruitiness is, is there, yeah. but That's it's not great. leading the, 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 the party like the legacy. No. No, it's, a, it's an absolute belter. So we've got two, our two new releases. We felt we should be drinking them today. Absolutely. What else has been happening with you? Um, you've had a busy week. Joanna Lumley decided to grace us with her presence. Oh. And she was filming a travel show, as you will hear. And it's very busy, Gordon. We got the call last week, kind of last minute. Had to speak to the director. And what they were wanting was not the usual turn up at a distillery for some tastings. Asked, could is there anything different? And of course, we've just completed the storytelling tour at Glengoyne. It was sadly we couldn't continue it because of lockdown, but it, it's there in the backgrounds, and it involves part of the, the storytelling tour. The ladies that used to smuggle the moonshine from the Campsie Hills into Glasgow, late 18th century, early 19th century, and we got pouches commissioned by a company down south that specialised in antique furniture and antique uh-huh. drinking vessels. We had them made. So when they heard this, they were very excited. And Johnny Lumley turned up and um, I don't want to give the game away, but she had them on and she was impersonating an 18th century smuggling lady. And uh, we talked about that type, um, what happened in those days. And she was very busy heading up to, I think it was Loch Fine, but... I did ask her for whiskey unscripted. Would you like to come on and and have a chat with us? Oh, and, fantastic! And she said no. No, no, I'm, I'm just joking. Oh, <laughs> no, so no, she we... did. She said yes. A lovely lady, and it's one of these people you hear so often saying, "Oh, they're really nice." This, they're really nice. She is genuinely really nice. Loves her whiskey. So you will hear just to say exactly yeah. how much she loves her whiskey, Gordon. Do you want me to? Do you want me to press play? I'll press play. Oh, now recording. Um, so I'm with uh, Joanna Lumley. Joanna, people know about you, yeah. but they might not know about your love of whiskey. Okay. When did that happen? Well, I can't really think. I must have been given it, um, you know, had sips of it. And as a young girl, you don't really drink whiskey because it's always, it was a sherry for the lady, a glass of white wine for the lady, you know. But I think it was actually at Dundee Rep. Um, I was doing Hedda Gabler up in Dundee Rep, and the great, now dead, actor-manager there called Robert Robertson. That was me zipping up my front in case people thought I was <laughs> chronic, <laughs> chronic indigestion. He said, what you would like, what you ought to have after we've done rehearsals is just a small glass of whiskey. And I said, really? He said, yes, just a, he used to put a drop of water in it, just to open it, just a drop. Do they still do that? Yes, of course they do. Just a tiny drop, not, not watering it down. And it was so delicious and it made me feel, f- it was fine. I didn't drink a lot. I didn't get. Dr- I never got drunk because I hate getting drunk. But the taste of that whiskey, I thought, this is a gorgeous drink. And so now, when my husband and I drive up to our little cottage in Dumfriesshire, and it takes a bit of time from London, and when we cross over the border and the Scottish saltire is there, we go, we're in Scotland. We get up to the cottage. The first thing we do is to open a bottle of whiskey, and in a little quake, we each have a tiny nip of whiskey just to say we're here. So for me, it's a drink of confirmation, of celebration, and deliciousness. It's a drink of the, a drink of the, the country. It's a drink. It? Of, it's the drink of life. Mm. It is the water of life. 
That's wonderful. It's whiskey bar. It's, oh, it's whiskey. It's whiskey. And are we allowed to say what you're here for? Can we look out on television in the next few months? Yes. And maybe I'm... maybe see Joanna Lumley without giving too much away? Yes, without... We're doing a programme of, of uh, all around the British Isles. And up in Scotland, we do visit one of the, my favourite distilleries. And uh, I've had the most fascinating time there. And I've learnt a lot more about the history of whiskey. And uh, it's extraordinary the fact that that bad whiskey could be made into gin. I never knew that. And the great gin craze and all those extraordinary parts of history and how history was, how whiskey was smuggled under women's skirt. Oh, I just loved it. It's been wonderful. But I was speaking to somebody terribly important about it. His name's Gordon. <laughs> and that will be seen shortly on the screens, I hope. <laughs> I'm sure we can. John Lumley, thank you so much for sharing your love of whiskey. And please join us back on Whiskey Unscripted anytime thank you so for a wonderful much. tasting. Thank you, Joanne. That was fantastic. She is... Uh, I, I've been a fan of hers for years. I think I think absolutely fabulous is how a lot of people would, would, would sort of remember her. And uh, I, I've, I've, I've come up with a couple of quotes that I've obviously <laughs> found that I just like. I think this is one of the most famous ones that she ever did. Uh, the last mosquito that bit me had to check into the Betty Ford Clinic. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, if you've never seen Absolutely Fabulous, it is one of the funny, one of the funniest things. Um, it really is a brilliant, brilliant TV program, and uh, she's done so many other things as well. That um, we're we're honoured that she was at the distillery. Yeah, and, uh, I'm are. very upset I wasn't there. Brilliant, and yeah. her travel programs are fantastic. Uh, and I don't think I'm giving the game away. Um, I'm delighted if I said February, I believe, is the transmission date. Yes. Great. Excited to see that. Just just very quickly, we had a comment in the last podcast about how much money whiskies are. Can I just say the legacy you can pick up on our website for £58 and the cast strength £62.99. So uh, and me. I think I genuinely think both of those are some of the best value whisky. I was actually watching a vlogger, uh, Aguavite, oh. uh, oh, yes. and he was talking about value in whisky and where the value is and um, you know how, and he was really ultimately comparing whiskies by age and not by quality and not by. But he was did there were some other elements that came into it in terms of whether you use sherry casks and things like that. But uh, I think you know I think Glengoyne's always offered fantastic value whisk. Sorry, fantastic whiskey for the price. Um, these two whiskies, both no age statements, but my gosh, when you get past that and 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 you know they're natural coloured, so you can tell that they are uh, they're wonderful drams in. Other news, uh -huh. did you read your Sunday newspapers last week? We're now recording this in early Did I read my October. Sunday newspapers? Um, I can't remember if I did. Please did tell me what I should have picked up. A, a lovely bride crossing Byers Road. Oh, of course, yes, yes, we did, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Wasn't that amazing? It's an amazing story. I think Jason McCabe is our first Insider's Guide in Series 1. He episode is. 1. He is. Wasn't he? He gave us an insider's guide to being a stillman, and I think he's going to give us an insider's guide to being a newlywed because he got married at the distillery last week. He did, and and obviously there's that, and then as a result of that, I think they had their reception at a restaurant on Byers Road. Yes. And obviously with social distancing and the situation that we're in at the moment, we don't have the ability to obviously have many more people than that, but... Um, his bride, Rowan, was pictured, I think, going across Byers Road, was she not? Listen, let's don't take my word okay, for it. Let's sorry. go and speak to the man himself. Let's go and speak to Jason. Stillman, Jason, are you there? I am, Gordon. How are you doing? Oh. Very well. 
Uh, congratulations, sir. No, thank you, Gordon, as well. Thank you. Take us, well, take us to the wedding, but Sunday morning, I opened up my mail on Sunday, and boom, there's Rowan, your newlyweds, <laughs> front end papers. Then you're in Radio Scotland. Could you explain about the wedding and then what happened next? Yeah, so it was, uh, basically, we'd, we'd had four cancellations due to, you know, restrictions with the numbers with COVID, etc. And because we were going to have a small wedding, we went back to where we were originally going to get married, which was obviously the distillery. So we had a beautiful weather and we were up the glen and next to the waterfall. It was an intimate wedding and you were there, Gordon, you're a master of ceremony. So you've seen how nice a setting it was. And for anybody who's not been there, it's, oh, it's... it's like a Jurassic Park scene with the waterfall and ferns and trees. Oh, and that's amazing. Else. Can I just say, Jason, I was at the balcony in the visitor centre because you only were allowed so many people. Yes, uh, at yeah. that bit. So I was, but just from a distance, it was it was like a fairy tale. With it was. <laughs> it was. It was. We couldn't ask for any better a day. Yeah, from there we went to uh, the West End, and um, because we were allowed to have a reception uh, for up to uh, twenty people, so seventeen of us went to a Scottish themed restaurant in the West End. Uh, we had a private room, uh, so we got chucked out exactly ten o'clock on the button. Mm-hmm. Uh, which new curfew rules uh, were in place. Well, yeah, but actually, you know, actually was quite nice. The wedding's going to be quite a long day. Um, So it was actually quite nice. But we finished at 10 o'clock anyway, and I turned around and I said to her, I said, you know, we don't have photographers hired for afterwards, do we? And I think that would be a bit silly. And she says, no, and there was a couple of paparazzi taking uh, pictures of the 10pm curfew in Byers Road. One of them snapped round crossing the road because I was silly enough not to order a taxi for ourselves. Ordered everyone else a taxi, just to never <laughs> order us a taxi. Yeah, that the snap was taken off round crossing the road. Um, and the next morning I woke up to uh, Nicola Sturgeon retweeting the photograph. And then from there, it was a non-stop day of phone calls. Yeah, and how, did you have any idea it was going to make it into national newspapers? No, no, not at all, not at all. Um, the, the photographer, Watty, we actually ended up talking to him for quite a while because we had to wait about 45 minutes for a taxi. Um, so we started talking to him and he said, look, for your wedding day, we'll take some snaps, etc., and I'll, I'll email them on to you, which I thought was very kind of him. Um, so, yeah, we just gave him an email address and that was it. And he said, oh, listen, I might put it on Twitter. I use OK with that. And, then, you know, Round said, yeah, that's fine. Um, and then from there, it just kind of yeah exploded after Nicholas Sturgeon retweeted it. So, so Nicholas Sturgeon, so what, what? Where did it end up? Did you see it, Gordon? Oh, I saw it. No, absolutely. I saw it on Twitter. I saw it on uh, Facebook. I saw. It. I did. I did. I did actually see it retrospectively in a Sunday newspaper. So yeah, yeah I mean, amazing. Absolutely amazing. So what was the? Give us a list of where you, where you, you ended up. Five newspapers, two national, three regional. Then we. On the sun, no, sorry, on the Monday morning, we were on uh, BBC Radio Scotland and two other local radio stations in Glasgow as well. So, uh, and I, actually, I got an, a message from a distant relative in Australia to say congratulations and shared a picture of what they were getting shown on their news briefing. So it reached Australia as well, which I find is absolutely incredible. But you hear about things going viral, and 
you don't really think it's ever going to happen to you. So we we did. I said to her, and I said, "That's your twenty four hours of fame up." <laughs> you know, that's it. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I think I think I think the key thing here is, uh, Jason, is that we're now going to bring you on as a as a consultant for. Uh, for whiskey unscripted because we want to go viral as well <laughs> i've got a solution to that gordon we could put you in a wedding dress and make you cross buyer's road <laughs> uh, i think that would make people do the opposite of virus <laughs> oh, oh fantastic that's, that's so, amazing that's I've never been at a um, center of a as you see going viral but that was and yeah. i have to say i have to say mrs mcgabe was looking stunning in her she wedding was. dress Oh, Fantastic. she was. She, you know, she's she's smart as well, of course. How you manage that, I have Thank no you. idea. I'm giving oh, myself another wee toast. Uh, I'm going to toast the happy couple yes. for the bride and groom with my legacy too. Jason, Fantastic. have you got a wee drum handy? I do, yeah. What do you have? Uh, I've got uh, Duncan's drum open at the moment because I was uh, oh. drinking that during the wedding. So um, so I've got the 17-year-old Duncan's drum at the moment. Ah, oh, it's a belter. An American mm-hmm. oak sherry cask. It's a belter. Well, and the, it was. And the, and the traditions of... Um, Weddings to the bride and groom. Hey. To the bride and groom. Thank Cheers, you. Boys. Fantastic. Thank you, Jason. Good to hear from you. Good to have you. I think you're the first person to have been on this twice. Oh. Yes. Oh, yeah, there you go. There you that's, go. That's Fame. a bit of competition there. I know. Well, I mean, we've you know we're only up against every other media outlet in the world to get some of your time, <laughs> but <exactly>. thank you. <laughs> you know how much I'm paying for this? God. I know. <laughs> Through the nose. That's the reason I agreed to it. <laughs> yeah. Jason, give us give us. Here, we put on the spot here. Watch this, Gordon. Uh, Jason, we're going to do the A to Z's next. The letter is P. Yes. Give us oh, a P. Give us a P, Bob. Give us a P. Oh. Oh. It's okay, I'll edit this bit out so there's no huge long pause. <laughs> <laughs> Give us a P. So, a port pipe. Oh, oh, nice. Nice. Double P. Double there P. you go, that's where I took my time. <laughs> yes. Jason, Jason McCabe, thank you very much. No, thanks, thank Gordon. Port pipe, Gordon, port he's pulled that pipe. one out. <laughs> well, I mean, it's actually quite relevant, of course, because obviously we did our, our virtual tasting about three weeks ago of our uh, of our sort of unlocked casks unlocked, and the public, the general public, picked the port pipe as their uh, fully matured port pipe, the biggest cask you can use in whiskey, generally about five to six hundred liters in size, and uh, that was the one that was picked, and that's the one that's available now for purchase a great great whiskey fully that's matured import normally used for finishing but this is fully matured it's fully a beautiful, matured beautiful whiskey. i tell you you can do worse than go trying to find that uh, tasting it's a great t- yes. tasting that one with you or yourself one. and robbie in the panel uh tasting that's a very good one it wonderful. was great. So if you can catch that anywhere on i think it's youtube that would be um that definitely a good night's viewing um definitely. gordon it is we are on the letter p yes could I throw one in? You can throw one in. Uh, again, I like to do the history one. One of my uh, one of my heroes, I suppose, and a lot of many people's heroes, Charles Doig. Um, not only was he an architect, designed over 56, 57 distilleries in the late Victorian era, but he also invest, inv- invented a style or a system of kilning, of drying the barley, that involved a pagoda roof. Ah. You see where I was going with that? Uh, so nice. P for pagoda. That's the really the the symbol for malt whiskey in this country is that lovely pagoda roof invented by Charles Doig, and the first one was Dalwain in 1889 on Speyside. Yeah, not far from Tamdu. Not far. 
not far at no, all. Very good, very so good. You, nice. There's little vents underneath. You can, you can yeah, vary the, la- the levels of smoke, which mm. might give you your, your next pee. And it, well, well, yes. How did you guess? Pete, of course. Pete, oh. Pete is obviously you know that well-known um, sort of um, it's effectively decaying plants and animals that um, that, um, that that gets compressed over time and ultimately over many, 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 many thousands of years can become coal. But mm-hmm. um, it um, gives whiskies that peat smoke flavour. So really interestingly, it, you know, you add it at the very beginning of the process in terms of the drying of the barley and it retains in the whiskey 10 15 20 years later so it re- it's retained through production you lose about probably about two-thirds of the smoky level through the production and then that's retained into the whiskey at the end uh, uh but generally drops off as you as you go into um as you get older and older but uh yeah no absolutely and so just generally the generally the distilleries on the external extremities of Scotland historically but now it's very easy to just get peat smoke peat, peated barley and produce a peated version which we'll probably never do at Glengoy yeah. and, and, and just on that Pete can we just give a, a, a shout out to the man that's contacted Whiskey Unscripted the most and we still always look for yeah. his communiques is Petey Pete Petey Pete so he gets a mention Petey Pete we love, your, we love your enthusiasm thank you very much great so got Pete and of course I'll just add in that with phenols which are the little molecules inside the smoke that uh, attaches itself to the barley phenols yeah absolutely so the phenolic elements are really really important and how you retain them through distillation is crucial um, so at Glengoyne for example we distill very slowly to produce a fruity spirit if you're using peat smoke and you want to produce a different type actually you know where you make cuts and all the how much you fill the stills and all these kind of things have a real influence on how that peat is retained into and those phenolic compounds are retained into the whiskey and so just, yeah yeah absolutely. another historical anom- anomaly it was the phenolic compounds within Lafroig that i believed that persuaded the bureau of alcohol firearms and tobacco to allow Lafroig whiskey into america during prohibition as a medicine Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, one more that I'm going to bring out is um, the, well, I mean, we talk about obviously grains and barley and all that. I'm going to talk about a grape. I'm going to talk about Palomino, the Palomino grape. This is really, really important for the production of sherry, which of course is really important for the seasoning of the casks that we use at Glengoyne and Tamdu and across the industry. Um, And so the Palomino grape is really important for the production of sherry, low in both acidity and sugar, which means it's really suitable for sherry. Um, And then how you actually mature that through oxidative aging generally uh, will determine whether you get a an Oloroso, or you keep the yeast floor on top of it and you become a lighter sherry like a Fino. These are the, that's in a very simple way, how the sherry, you can determine the sherry that we want. So so that's really, really important um, for us, which, um, which unbelievably, I mean, yes. it is unbelievably, leads us into our next... Uh, yes. section this is like we've almost planned this which is goes against whiskey unscripted it, it is it's against the, the, the uh, ethos but never mind that's um and we could have had pot still as well but let's let's oh, uh, pot yeah, stills of course i know exactly. that's too easy too easy but gordon yes the palomino grape it was just i caught up with a, a, a friend of mine we met through a, a mutual friend at the, the, the distillery met him again at tamdu he's a, a guy from spain um diego boras and i just thought it'd be great to hear him and mm. what he has to say about sherry because he is one of the great sherry experts 
and very knowledgeable Fantastic. on that. So I just thought we'd just drop in when I caught up with Diego. It was yesterday, and this is Diego oh. Boras, a little chat about Sherry. Where are you speaking from? Um, I'm currently in Barcelona, even though I'm based in uh, central Spain. Just to outline to the listeners, where did your whiskey journey begin? Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, it, it's a bit uh, unusual, I'd say. My journey began with a book that I read about Sir Alex Ferguson because my main background is sports and, and management. Mm-hmm. So I started reading about... Uh, well, I had to read the, the biography for some assignments and so on. And then I, I read that he invested in horses and whiskey. And then I, I kind of became, got curious about the whole thing. And then I started reading about whiskey. And then after a lot of reading, a lot of talking with people, I decided to have a whiskey paying attention, if you will, with the mm-hmm. proper glassware and the proper process. And then I just got hooked. Well, I was about to say, Diego, I mean, horses are even more expensive than whiskey. So... I think you yeah. choose the right <laughs> right path there. <laughs> yeah. Whiskey doesn't bite either. <laughs> uh, Diego, before we get into talking, because I really got you on, I'd like to talk a little bit about Sherry, but we yeah. do a little feature called the Gazetteer of, you know, Scotch whiskey around the world. Could you just paint a picture of how Scotch is being consumed in Spain? North, south, um, whatever. How, just a general hmm. picture of what's been drunk. It's a growing, you know, the industry is growing worldwide. So there is a, a definitely a, a growing aspect in the whiskey consumption. There's the, the main hubs, I would say, uh, would be Madrid, Bilbao, and then uh, Barcelona due to also the links with the cocktailing industry. Um, but yeah, slowly there's more and more interest. There's uh, more people. Um, there was there's a, a, a whiskey distillery in the north of Spain, mm-hmm. in Vitoria to be specific, that got uh, awarded uh, best known age statement um, last year for the single malt whiskey. So th- there is a there is a growing interest and there's a growing culture. That's definitely and then and Scotch is perceived as the whiskey, of course. Great. And is it mostly blends? Would you say, or is as I like the world? more interest in the single malts how does it break down when when it comes to the to the mixers blend is the go-to blends are the go-to choice and then uh, for this growing population of uh, whiskey connoisseurs in spain there's they, they go for the single malts uh, even though you know specific uh, blended malts or specific blends might be also of interest right diego that's great we're going to come back to all that i'm sure in the future um <laughs> sherry Come across yeah. yourself, um, and we have great conversations about sherry in the past, Diego. Just could you outline what kind of sherries are out there? And because you're a very good talker, I'm going to throw a few questions at you. What could you, <laughs> you know, set out what kind of sherries are out there, and what makes certain ones good for seasoning virgin oak casks? And maybe what is the magic that happens during seasoning? So take it away, Diego. Oh, let's let's start with uh, from the beginning. There's two main types of grape that are used for sherry, uh, and by sherry we're talking about the protected region in in the Cadiz province in southern Spain. Yeah. Uh, there are other producers of let's say olorosos and 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 finos, but for the when it comes to sherry, you're going to have the dry sherries, and then the sweet sherries. Sweet sherries are going to be produced. Uh, mostly uh, using uh, Moscatel or Pedro Jimenez PX grape. Um, and then 
the, on the dry side of things in the sherry region, they use uh, what they call Palomino grape, which is uh, a grape that doesn't yield much sugar and therefore it's very good when it comes to drier wines. And then within the, the, the dry wines, we're going to have two main categories based on the maturation process. So the maturation process that the, the, this base wine is going to go through uh, is going to define whether it's going to be a clean, crisp white wine, such as Fino or Manzanilla, or whether it's going to be uh, dark, very heavy uh, sherry, such as Oloroso. Then we're going to have the intermediates, uh, our friends Amontillado and Palo Cortado, which are a little bit more complicated to explain due to the whole process. But in, in general terms, we have a, a light, crisp, uh, sharp wine, which are the Fino and the Manzanilla, then the heavy, also dry, but with a sweeter nose, uh, toasted note as well in, in the palate, which is the Oloroso, and then the very sweet ones, uh, which are the Moscatel and the Pedro Jimenez, which are mainly uh, fortified raising. Yeah. Juice, let's say. Uh, it's, it's just and is there any out of those that works better for the seasoning? Well, by their nature, the the, the finos and manzanillas are very complicated because we're talking about more subtle uh, wines or thinner wines, if, if you will. You know, fino in Spanish means thin. So we're not talking about a heavy wine. It's very light, it's refreshing, you drink it cold. Um, and, and, you know, it takes a a very specific spirit to actually work well with the fino and obviously the craft and the understanding of both the wood and the wine with oloroso it's a heavier wine it's a has a bigger nose big more body more full bodied and and it, it's easier to make mistakes so it's a little bit friendlier or it's it gives you more leeway to work with because it's a heavy wine that at the same time is very uh, it's very interesting as well because uh Oloroso is an is a wine that has been oxidized, so the 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 life of the Oloroso in the cask changes as well because it keeps oxidizing during the seasoning process, which means that the wine changes and therefore it it evolves inside the the cask that we're using for seasoning. And that said, um, inside the cask that we're going to have the, the absorption of the of the wine through the wood and then the different interactions that are going to happen in the wine inside the cask. So there's going to be a little bit of back and forth. You know, every whiskey drinker uh, is aware of the breathing of the cask. So there's going to be exactly the same thing. If we remember that we are talking about Southern Spain, we're talking about a lot of heat in the summer, um, 35, 38, 43, 45 degrees. Anyone has had the chance to go to Jerez in summer and getting in a bodega, it's less hot, but it's still very, very hot inside. So that that, that breathing is going to happen, and therefore the, that extraction, subtraction of elements between the wine and the wood is going to happen. And then last but not least, the, the PX, um, it's a very sweet, very dense, very thick uh, wine. So we're talking about a very syrupy drink, um, and therefore it's going to perhaps less have less penetration, but there's going to have a lot of sugar involved, a lot of raisin, particularly character, and is going to contribute to, to you know, via the sugar to round up that spirit. 
And how does those um, seasoning, the different sherries, how does it really influence then when the cask arrives in Scotland? Well, uh, in, in full maturation, you have more time to, you know, for, for the whole, for the whiskey and for the extract of, of the wood from uh, the sherry from the wood to, to, to interact. Um, there's also going to be a point of diminishing return. So th that final product is going to stabilize over time and kind of uh, mellow, uh, as, as we all know. Um, when it comes to a finishing, uh, you know, rule of thumb, first three months are very, very intense in terms of uh, interaction and subtraction from the wood. Mm -hmm. So those three months are going to provide a lot of uh, influence from the wood and therefore the seasoning then three more months are going to make things settle down a little bit and then in the last three months which you know rounds up to nine months uh, can lead to a, a more a better married uh, aspect now I can't remember who was it but he said you know the, the finishing takes as long as it needs and then it's done right uh, can be three months it can be in six months uh, depending on wood uh, on the wood that we have used that particular year, the wine that has been used for seasoning, you may need um, three months to get from point A to point B or one month and a half or seven months. And, and, and Diego, what do you think of finishing? I mean, that's how it's quite, we talked about the a full maturation. We use all our also in, mm. in time doing Glen mm -hmm. but a lot more people are using these finishes. And as you said, it can take three or nine months, but what's your personal opinion? What works what should we look out for? What works well as a finish? Uh, I'm a big fan of finishes because they allow a lot of room to, for playing. Just You can play around um, and then have uh, different types of Oloroso seasonings for the same whiskey and, and, and see how, how they interact. At the end of the day, it's like food pairing. You have a, a, a product, which is the whiskey, and if we're going to finish it as a semi or 85% ready product, and then you want to add another ingredient to that mixture, which is the wood and the and the liquid that the wood has contained. So I think it's great for playful expressions and, and, and provide also a little bit of uh, information about that product itself. Uh, one of the things that I'm... I'm that makes me that make me happy uh, lately is that there's more and more information about what kind of seasoning what kind of liquid how long for and and so on and that is because the, the consumer wants to know and that is also because the, the distillery knows which uh, sometimes is it's not the case you know sherry cask, some people just buy sherry cask and they don't have many many details you know yeah, there's more to it. Uh, Diego, we could talk for a long time, but listen, yeah. could you give us a, a recommendation? Because I think, and you can tell me, do you get more enjoyment or understanding of your whiskey if it's been sherry matured by going out and maybe trying a couple of sherries? And if so, what ones would you recommend that we could maybe try? Oh, absolutely. Uh, one of the things that I do actually is side-by-side -side tastings of, uh, let's say, a whiskey Oloroso matured whiskey, Oloroso finished whiskey, and then a specific Oloroso. Sometimes the distilleries share that information, sometimes they don't. But um, of course, um, when it comes to dry wines, in uh, particularly in the UK, I'm going to focus on access to the UK. Um, Gonzalez Baez has uh, their flagship, which is Tio Pepe, uh, which is a very, very consistent, very 
balanced phenol, so it's on the dry side, and they also have an addition that is unfiltered, which is called Enrama, um, and that is also a very interesting element to compare, uh, both of them. Uh, when it comes to Olorosos, I think that there's more and more access, uh, if I'm not mistaken, the, 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 the people from Baron, which, uh, which are the ones that uh, provide the seasoning for Tamdu, um, also commercialize their, their, their young Oloroso. So that would be one recommendation and then potentially going for Lustau and their, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 12-year-old Oloroso. And then when it comes to PX, Lustau has a very, very good PX and, and no, they're not sponsoring me or anything. Just, uh, just trying to think from the top of my head. Some specialized uh, stores will have more diversity um, if you want to go for something antique, I would recommend Fernando de Castilla. They have a fantastic antique Oloroso and a fantastic Palo Cortado. Um, and then if the, the budget is not very, very high, um, yes. Sainsbury's... Some... Diego, that's Gordon Dundas you're talking about. So carry on. Yes, high budget. Go for it. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the Fernando de Castilla antique is probably one of my, my favourites. And then if you want to be a little bit um, off the beaten track, I would say look for the vintage sherries, which are very unusual. Mm -hmm. And those are sherries that have been, that come from a specific year that came out really, really nicely. And, and the, the master blender in this case, or the bodega manager, decided to just keep them as they are and ace them. That's usually a oxidized wine option. Therefore, Oloroso, Palo Cortado as well. Could you give us a, a, a couple of recommendations, your favourite whiskies and trips, places you've been, whisky related? What sticks out in your memory? Just let's have a let's have a last gasp look at whiskies and places in Scotland that Diego Boris sort of uh, remembers with fondness. I I'm going to go for the the tour that I did in Balvenie Distillery for Speyside Festival last year. Mm -hmm. It was fantastic um balvany caribbean cask is probably one of my favorites then i liked the the the, the visit to the people of uh, diluan because it's a workhorse distillery and that's something that uh, i kind of uh, yeah, yeah. appreciate yeah. and then uh, when it comes to whiskeys i'm lately i'm going for the the wood only options uh had a came across a uh a young, I think it was nine-year-old Ben Rinners from James E.D. There's just a uh, refill uh, cask and so on. And it was interesting for me because it, it gives you that blank canvas of the character of the distillery. And, and then you can start thinking about, all right, what could go well with this? What kind of sherry, what kind of finish could work with this uh, liquid? You know, um, I'm getting more into those uh, kind of cleaner whiskies, if you will, more more faithful to the character of the distillery because uh, in my line of activity which is procuring casks and so on it kind of helps me play around mental games uh with how it could work and what can contribute to this and, and to make it even better if possible that sounds fantastic very interesting man diego boras we we will come back we will talk more but for now can i just say thank you very much for opening up a little bit uh, of the lid onto the world of sherry diego thank you very much thank you for having me gordon a pleasure. um diego boras 
Uh, do you remember meeting them at the Speyside Festival, Gordon? I do, yes, I do. Yeah, very interesting, gentlemen. And that was a very insightful sort of uh, information on Sherry for those who maybe don't know enough about it. Yes, I know. Fantastic. So, yeah. every Fantastic. And we had a little tickle of the um, gazetteer there of Scotch whiskey around the world. So it's a little insight into what they're doing in Spain. So we must tickle that with other countries. Um, Gordon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We are now on to another running feature. It's a magazine programme. We do like our little features. Uh, Listillery. Listillery. the last time we talked about Listillery was in relation to doing a tour. And you gave yeah. us a list of the, the sort of things you might want to have uh, ticked off as you go around Scotland on a whiskey tour. Could we do the same? Gordon Dundas's Listillery of whiskey bars oh, in Scotland. Well, I mean... There are it, many of them. Uh, there are many, <laughs> many, many of, of them. them. <laughs> uh, and, uh, I mean, obviously we could start in different parts of the country, but, um, I mean, there are many. Let's start with Glasgow. I mean, there's two that, that spring to mind immediately in Glasgow, um, two of probably the best bars in the whole of Scotland, if not the whole of the world. Um, we'll start with the Bon Accord out at Charing Cross. Oh, yes. A uh, wonderful, wonderful whiskey run by a wonderful man called Paul McDonough. Um, absolutely wonderful. 400 whiskies. You can get some exceptional whiskies there as well. So whiskies that you wouldn't find anywhere else for sale as a dram. So, I mean, I remember he had, um, you know, some 50, 60-year-old whiskies up there for a dram. Not, 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 you know quite a lot of money but the ability to actually have a dram of them is great so um and great food There's, they've got a club it's a fantastic place to go i had a friend in there in fact he's local here scott and he's i think it was his brother over somewhere from canada rosebank nut a rosebank fanatic and of course we'll give you updates on rosebank distillery as it unfolds with ian mcleod and i think they had a look around some of the bars and they had finally went to the bon accord and he had a mm-hmm. little bit in the bottom of the bottle. Ninety pound. Yeah. yeah. He, he bought two of them. So uh, absolutely. If you want it, it's there. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a great one. And then just a bit further into town, if I'm honest, is the pot still, which is yeah. right in the middle of town. Uh, a very out there, fantastic um, uh, man at the helm of that, Frank Murphy, who is a really, really well known. Uh, personality in the whiskey industry and it really knows his whiskey and is passionate about whiskey and will phone me up and give me jip about new releases if he thinks there's something <laughs> wrong with them you know quite 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 active fantastic knowledge of the people behind the bar you know a beautiful beautiful place to sit and drink yeah. whiskey in a very traditional atmosphere wonderful uh, um, well, really th- really good I thoroughly agree with that as well um and then another place that i would recommend people to go to if they've not been would be um, the artisan restaurant in Wishaw. I was hoping um, to see that. Brilliant. Yeah, well, Derek's been on the show, friend yeah, of the show, yeah. and uh, you know he has the most amazing array of whiskies. A great restaurant, does really, really sumptuous food as well, um, and he's a bit of a collector. Loves his Brucladi. We must um, go. Loves great whiskey. We must He's go. a bit of a Brucladder. Right. Yeah, you should Let's, definitely go there. But definitely go there. Right. I'm taking a list. This is Gordon okay. Dundas's Listillery of whiskey pubs and bars. Okay. Now let's move to Edinburgh. Um, obviously heading east. The, my favourite whiskey bar is Bow Bar in Edinburgh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, much more along the lines of sort of the Bon Accord, um, right on Victoria Street, that really beautiful street that runs down into the uh, the grass market. Um, 
really unassuming bar um, and you know lots and lots of different whiskies in there great knowledge again and I think that's the combination is is you walk into the bar you feel great um, you're welcomed the knowledge is fantastic and that's what I really like about it so um, bow bar is a definite for me lovely um, and then there's, there's, there's a few others um, the amber restaurant the amber up in the uh, up in the uh, scotch whiskey experience great you can oh, do yes. flights and tastings and things like that. Yes, that's a, that's a definite one what to go What a view. To. What a view that what, is. What a great view. Fantastic view. Um, and right next to our, uh, we've got a Glengoyne room, obviously, in the Contini's up there. So right next door to that. So yes. um, a great place. And obviously, you can see the the uh, really, really, the, the wonderful collection that's down in the, the sort of bowls, bowls of that. Um, of that. that doesn't sound very good, but you know no, what I mean, in that building. Um <laughs> <laughs> um, wonderful sort of 3,000 bottle collection. Um, you, the SMWS is a great place to go to as well. Um, so there's yeah, there's plenty of really good bars. Uh, uh, in, and then I would let's let's go a little bit to another part of the world. Let's go. So we've sort of done the Central Belt. Let's go to Campbelltown. The Ard Shield is for me. It epitomises being in that region. Uh, yeah. One of the best places to drink whiskey, and you want to. And when you're in the, when you're in Campbelltown, you want to drink Springbank, you want to drink Glen Scotia, you want to soak up that local whiskey atmosphere. And and it's like when you go to Isla, you want to drink Isla whiskies. And um, so um, definitely a, a great place to go oh, in Campbelltown. I've never been to. I have to say, Ardshiel. I'd love to go. I've heard so much about it. I've actually great. met the as it ladies in charge. Um, I can't remember the name, but yeah, love to go. Gordon, it's a great list so far. Keep it going. Well, we're not doing badly. Um, let's go move to Isla. This is there's quite a few on Isla, but I would look at something like the Bally Grant Inn, of course. Really, really sort of rural inn in the middle of sort of nowhere, really, but great whiskey bar, great restaurant, fireside, oh, all those types what? of things. Fantastic. Isla's full of great places as well, so I could, I could talk about them all, all of them. But there's, you know, when you're in Isla, go to all the, go to all the, uh, go to all the distilleries, oh. and obviously there's there's some great places in uh, in in Beaumore and and uh, you know over in and sort of Brookladdy and uh, even even the the uh, the hotel at uh, Port Askeg, great hotel where you can meet some random people. I remember uh, meeting. Um, a, a, a relation of David Cameron's in that bar, um, oh, yes. because he goes over because his father-in-law has some land or something on Jura. So, anyway, yes, there's plenty of places on Isla. Right. So, yes, um, what's great about whiskey bar though is you see you're connected with the whiskey, so there's no strangers. Exactly. So there shouldn't be anybody in a, in a bar. Exactly. So yeah, I mean, there's plenty of places on Isla, um, and then just to sort of round it off, um, let's go to other parts of the world that you should consider. Uh, in Scotland, I would look at something like um, the uh, Grill in Aberdeen, another more traditional whiskey bar, really good whiskey bar, um, yeah. about 600 odd whiskies in there, yeah, nice. and if you're in Aberdeen, definitely seek out the Grill for a drink uh, and, a, and a dram. Um, I did a lot of work with them when I worked with Glengarry, uh, mm. which was the nearest distillery to Aberdeen, and again, the knowledge, the welcoming, fantastic. It's nice up there. Um, and then, really, one or two others. Um, I'm just going to. It would be the Dorna Castle Hotel. Oh, I was you, there go, you can tell me a little bit about that, can yeah, you? Yeah, I was there a couple of weeks ago. And as, around the back of the Dorna Castle Hotel, in the garage, is the Dorna Castle Distillery. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Which is and again, you know, I love what they're doing there. It's, it's, it's a little bit out there. I'm loving it. Fiddlers, I would say, in Drumnadrocket, another great bar to. Uh, 
to definitely go and visit for sure and again great people more than welcome so there's uh, you know there really are bars all over the place yeah, let's let's move to Speyside where there's some really great ones to round this all off I probably missed a whole load but um, I would the Dowens Hotel has an amazing whiskey wall that you can uh, that you can um, select a whiskey from and a great place to stay in Aberlauer yeah. um, the Mash Tun just down the road yeah nice yeah, place nice. indeed as well and then we'll come to Craig Elachy and two great places in Craig Elachy, the Quaich Bar at the Craig Elachy Hotel. Um, the Craig Elachy Hotel was taken over very relatively recently, um, about two or three years ago. But um, it was very famous for having a sort of green bar which had four or five hundred odd whiskies in it. And it was the real sort of, you know, you got Speyside whiskies in there that you didn't didn't get anywhere else and um, it was a really really wonderful place still is still is um, and one of my good friends Tatsuya Minagawa used to work there as indeed other people that, that we know from the industry um, but then Tatsuya left there he actually worked with me for a few years as a as a as a as an ambassador for Suntory and then he moved over to the Highlander Inn as well um, yes. and um, he he uh, he he is Grown the Highlander Inn, which is right across the road, to an amazing knowledge of whiskey. Uh, again, great food, great place to stay. Wonderful, wonderful gentleman, and uh, he, he strongly recommend you visit the Highlander Inn in Craig Elachy as a place to stay, have a drink. He can give you his amazing knowledge of the whiskey industry. Brilliant. And as if by chance, what? God, this is looking I, too professional. <laughs> I know it is far too professional. But I interviewed him. Yes. I, I mean, Tatsuya's story is pretty unique. He's, uh, you know, he came over to Scotland quite a long time ago. He's been here for a long, long time, but he's originally from Japan. He loves his whiskey. He is a great knowledge of whiskey. He's a great fan of whiskey. Yeah. And it's reflected in the place that he now has created as, as in the Highlander, which he, he worked with initially with Duncan Elfwick and then took over from Duncan. I, I, I've always wanted to have him on the show, and I'm really happy that he is on the show. I interviewed him, you weren't there, so no, we're going to have wait. to listen to... I'm dying to, to have a listen to this, because I know... Have you been to the Highlander? Yes, just a couple of times. Yeah. Um, you remember the last time we were there, Gordon? I think we had... I think we are Lack of sleep, I think it was. We were just a wee bit overly sleepy. Uh, I think. <laughs> yeah, we were. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we were. I think it was. Was that was that during the festival yes, or after was. the? It was. I think. Yeah, we get quite sleepy during the festival. We certainly do. With Paul, <laughs> Paul from Glencairn. That's right. Oh That's yes, good. I was very sleepy. Yes. <laughs> so it's, it's it's amazing. I can't wait for this interview. I mean, you said you're going to do it a few weeks ago. So sit back and enjoy Gordon Dundas speaking to Tatsuya. 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 So we're welcomed on uh, Whiskey Unscripted by my very good friend, Tatsuya Minagawa. Tatsuya, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Yourself? I'm not bad. I'm not bad. We're, we're um, sort of in the middle of September, heading towards October. How's everything been with you? How is everything at the Highlander? Uh, hard to describe. I think we are coping, all right? But during this pandemic... Obviously, no international tourists, but we are hugely supported by local trade. So Good. I think we are doing well for Good. in this difficult situation. Good. I'm, I'm glad to hear it because if you've never been to the Highlander, the Highlander Inn in Craig Elachy, you have to go and stay with Tatsuya. It's such a wonderful place, such a great place to go and um, 
visit and drink whiskey and, and base yourself to go and tour around Speyside, isn't it, Tatsuya? Yeah. At the moment, quite many distillery closed. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe they do organize some tasting, but full tour is a bit difficult. But surely it will change from next year. I'm sure back to normal. Yeah, no, I hope so. Let's hope so for sure. So, Tatsuya, you and I have, we've worked together. We worked together in the early sort of 2012, around about then. Um, yep. Uh, and we'll come to that. But I just wanted to, you know, maybe explain your sort of journey from Japan to a, a whiskey in on Speyside. How, how, did, how did that all come about? How did, how did Tatsuya end up in Scotland? How did he end up in whiskey? How did he end up in, and then ultimately at the Craig Ellicke? Uh, whiskey, doing for a long time, since when I was living in Japan, then started into really whiskey. So I thought, just take a, take a year off, move to Scotland to see real whiskey country. Mm-hmm. Meant to be one year, but I find out, you know, it's nice, cozy country. So <laughs> decided to stay another year, one more year, just rolled up and still here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and my first, first four years I spent in Edinburgh, mm-hmm. working whiskey bars. Just after Millennium, uh, my ex-boss, Duncan Elphick, he used to run the big hotel across from us, Craig mm. uh, Hotel. Yeah. He was a general manager of Craig Hotel at that time. Yeah. So he was looking for someone to run the bar. And Duncan and I, we have common friend, which is Mark Watt. Ah, <laughs> Mr. Watt, yes. <laughs> So Duncan asked Mark and asked, do you know, Mark, anybody who is willing to come up to Craig Erahi? And Mark suggested to Duncan, oh, do you know Tatsuya from Emzuba? Mm-hmm. He's now, Emzuba is closed temporarily that time, meant to be temporary. Mm-hmm. So if you ask Tatsuya, maybe he can help you help Craig Hotel maybe a couple of months. So Duncan came to see me. I said no, because, you know, I was a city boy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Kregera is not quite city, too small, too quiet. Yeah. But I accepted his offer, meant to be a couple of months. Then, again, I'm still here. I like it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course. And you had a little bit of a sort of sabbatical in the middle, I guess. You, you, you were working alongside me when we were at Morrison Beaumore Distillers. Yeah. So, yeah, I had, a, again, worked with Duncan for almost 10 years. Then I had a great offer from Morrison Beaumont, Santori. So I decided to change my career. Mm. Yeah. So those three years working with you, Gordon, it was excellent. Great experience. We had, we had quite a lot of fun. Oh, just to, to fill you in, everybody, um, Tatsuya was looking after the Japanese whiskies, so Yamazaki, Hibiki, and... Uh, Hakushu and I was looking after our Scotch portfolio at the time, which was Beaumont, Glengarry, and uh, Ochentoshin, and we 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 came up with some very interesting uh, tasting classes, didn't we? Yeah, I think I, maybe too biased, you know, that tasting we did together, Japan versus Scotland, that was actually really fun. 
It was yeah. really good fun. We we had a taste. I think it was to about a hundred people, wasn't it? And yeah. we, we did a tasting of three three Scottish whiskies. So I picked three. And they weren't all Bowmore, but we picked three from our Scottish portfolio against three from Japan. And we got everybody to vote. And it was a two-hour experience. And we all enjoyed it. It was. It was. I remember coming on to Rocky music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it was no, funny. Okay. <laughs> very funny. Yeah. It was very you, funny. You, you, you need to be there. Yeah, it, you did need to be there, but it was a bit yeah. of a. It was in Belgium, I think, or something, wasn't it? It was a very interesting. We tasting. did Belgium. We did parties once. Yes, we did. And yeah. also we did front of all the stuff, Morrison Boma stuff once. That's right. That's right. And it was just one yeah. of those ways to just change a, a tasting and make it a little bit more interesting, a little bit more engaging to the, the consumer, as it were. So no, it was great. And then you, and then you, after that, sort of 2014, was it roughly? You went back yeah. to the Highlander. Yeah, my contract finished with Morrison Bomber, the Hog Money 2014. Yeah. So from 1st of January 2015, I come back here. So yeah, just when I was still working in Santori, Morrison Bomber just popped into Highlander to have a couple of pints. And I was told from staff, Duncan decided to sell business. And I, I was really surprised. And next day, I come back to came to Haranda Inn to see Duncan, mm -hmm. and I said to him, "What are you doing? Why are you selling business? You mad?" And he had a health issue that time. Yeah, but I persuaded him to carry on, but he actually decided pretty much time to retire. So I had a deep thought. Yeah. You know, then life is only once. Mm -hmm. Yeah, spoke to my wife and she said, that's not a bad idea. She said, support me. So I decided to purchase business from Duncan. And here you are five, five years later. Um, yes. with a With probably one of the most iconic, well, it was, I mean, it was, it's always been iconic, but, uh, you know, one of the most fantastic places to go and stay and drink whiskey and no you're very kind to say that yeah thank you the other thing i wanted to touch on tatsu is obviously you have had a lot of i know you do a lot of whiskey sampling whiskey tastings whiskey everything and i'm i'm you know i'm very keen to just get your view on a couple of things and i'm going to ask you mm -hmm. these these are open-ended questions but you love Scotch whiskey, you love all types of whiskey, you love Japanese whiskey. What do you think makes, a lot of people say, what's the difference between Japanese and Scotch whiskey? What's the difference between a single malt from Japan? Why does it have this, you know, we know they're made the same way, but to you, how would you sum up that difference? Is there a difference or is it a little bit of, I mean, what, 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 what do you think makes them different? I always telling people between whiskey from Japan and Scottish whiskey is a equivalent of champagne and cava. You know, good champagne, good cava, both tasty, mm -hmm. made from same ingredients, more or less same method, just just like that. So even if you look at only Scottish whiskey, one from Lafroig distillery and the one from Macaran taste totally different. Right. Yeah. Even 
we call Scottish whisky. So maybe no point to compare between whisky from Japan and whisky from Scotland. Mm. Just your own preference. They are different, and you yeah. have to accept that, and that's the way it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I agree, and you know I think I think um, you know I'm a big fan of. I mean, Hibiki is one of my favourite whiskies. It's a, and it's a blended whisky, and uh, yeah. beautiful combination of Hakshu, Yamazaki, and Chita. Um, beautiful, beautiful whisky. Beautifully presented, great bottle. The whole package looks great. And, mm -hmm. and if there's one thing that there isn't, there is not a blend in Scotland that 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 is anything like Hibiki. And I, I mean, in the whole presentation, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's a premium blend that is talked about like a single malt. But it's a blend, and that perception that blends are are not as good as single malt doesn't apply mm -hmm. to Hibiki. Do you know what I mean? In a lot of people's minds, I know Do you agree with that. Yeah, many people come to hear, you know, oh, Japanese whiskey, can you recommend? And I often say, Yamazaki, good, good whiskey, beautiful, and this is Hibiki. And most people say, wow, as you say, Gordon, great presentation, wow. I explain this is single malt and this is blended. And as soon as I mention blended, most people say, oh, I go for single malt. <laughs> yeah. I only drink single malt whiskey. Mm. Why, yeah, why? Yeah. So I'm trying to change people's perception of blended whiskey. Yeah. So we do stock some blended whiskey in a Highlander, which is some really good stuff. Mm -hmm. And often people say, wow, this is good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's yeah, part yeah. of my job. And, and, no, and I, would, I would absolutely agree. I mean, I, blended whiskeys, you can, there's some great blended whiskeys out there. And it's a, you know, there's, they should never be put in a different bucket to single malt they're a different style of whiskey just enjoy it drink it and and don't 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 just you know it's people you know there's also people out there who sometimes say i only drink space side whiskies or i only drink isla you don't know what mm -hmm. you're missing you know there's plenty of other great whiskies out there would you not agree i totally yeah in the space side region there's obviously so many distilleries just around where you are so so many what I mean, which ones have been catching your eye? Which ones do you think I really like what they're doing? I'm really enjoying this release. Or, I mean, I think the one that springs to mind, obviously, apart from Tamdu, obviously, wink, wink. <laughs> um, I think obviously what Glen Allachie have been doing recently is very interesting. Yeah. Um, but anybody else that's, that you think now that's really good quality whiskey that's coming out of there? Tell you what, maybe this answer you are not expected. Uh, I do like. Glenfiddich, 12 years old, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. or oh, Glenfiddich generally, family-owned company, mm -hmm. and job they do, everything correct and precise. Mm -hmm. You know a lot about production side. I know a little bit. So if you look at William Grant doing their production side, I'm sure same as Tam do, eh? you know, they still stick with very traditional side, and uh, just purely product mm. is fantastic. Mm. Oh, no, I think what Glenfiddich do, you know, they produce a lot of whiskey. They they blaze the trail for, for a single malt around the world. They do a great job, for sure. Anybody else catching your catching your eye? Uh, you already mentioned Grenarchy. Interesting, yeah. Mm. And uh, Speyside Whiskey, Tamudu, not because you work for, yeah. <laughs> that kind of style of whiskey today, yeah. you know, a lot of sherry, you know yourself, like an industry, 90, 95% timber from America these days so and yeah, yeah. people don't drink sherry so no decent empty sherry cask 
So yeah, exactly. among not many sherry whiskey industry can produce, but Tamdu in my eyes, really good. Yeah. We don't see the kind of style of whiskey in space side. No, that's very true. And I think that's comes down to Leonard, our owner, decided that's what he wanted to produce and that's that's and that's a testament to the quality that we, we strive for. So that's good news. And just to summarise, you have travelled a lot. Um, I have travelled a lot. If I was to ask you one whiskey moment, one moment that you think that was Ooh. an amazing... Just the time, the people, the place. You know, I, I think one of the things that you might well say here, and I'm guessing might be malt stock, but... Um, uh -huh. There's always something that sticks in your mind. When I first went to Maltstock, I had a bit of a whiskey moment, um, and I was just with some great people enjoying some great whiskey. No, I don't even can't even remember the whiskey. It was just a great whiskey at the time. What about you? What would you say? Ooh, really t tough question, eh? Because you have a lot of moment. Also, I had a lot of moment. Mm. Mm, possibly, it's not a whiskey event. When I went to Japan, visited Yamazaki Distillery mm -hmm. through the work from Morrison Beaumont, mm. yeah, I met Master Brenda or Chief Brenda, yeah, Fukuyo-san, and mm. we did, we made blended whiskey together, well, all, mm. all ambassadors from everywhere meet up and we made mm -hmm. our own blended, yeah, the whiskey we made and we exchange the whiskey that's a yeah. great experience yeah i have to say yeah. thinking of it as well one of my best experiences was that um was in japan we we went and we we did a we did a session on mizunara and i drank a right a 50 year old mizunara yamazaki i think it was 50 was years it? old wow i think it was wow. a 50 year old yamazaki 50 had been 50 years in a mizunara cask and to be honest it was very woody and spicy but it was it was it was there to 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 show an example of how mizunara and how you mature in it, which is for those who may not know mizunara is Japanese oak. So, a very interesting class and something that I just was learning so much from the 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 Suntory team. So that yeah, that an interesting moment as well for sure. Well, Tatsuya, I just want to say thank you for joining us on uh, Whiskey Unscripted. Uh, it's a pleasure to hear your dulcet tones, and um, I look forward to coming to see you as soon as possible up that part yeah. of the world when next time i'm in tamdu i will come and say hello but i haven't been yeah. in tamdu for since march i have not been up there since march so right right so um yeah you've got reason to come up to space side i yeah. do i do yeah. so i will catch up with you and anybody else if you're looking for somewhere great to stay on space side why don't you head for the highlander inn it's such a wonderful welcome tatsuya thank you very much no, thanks, Gordon. Nice chat. Tatsuya, what a wonderful, what a wonderful gentleman, and really? what a great, great place to go and visit. So really please enjoyed go that. there. And I said the first time I went was a, a training week with with, uh, with Ian McLeod, and you just—I was not expecting what was downstairs when you walk in no. the front door of the Highlander. It just looks no. like a same old, same old bed yeah. and breakfast stroke. And then this treasure trove oh, downstairs. Fantastic. You must go. It's just—it's better and better. So that was yeah. that was very interesting, Gordon. Well, I think oh, that's, that's episode five will not be forgotten with Jason, no. uh, our newlyweds, the guy that went viral with his wife Rowan, and then Joanna Lumley. Joanna Lumley, fantastic. Uh, as well, well done to and Joanna. 
Yeah. No, Diego, absolutely. Diego Boras speaking yeah. to us from Barcelona. Fantastic. And finishing off with Tatsuya, sprinkled with a little bit of us two. We Thank hope you you've enjoyed it. It's a pleasure to do it. And actually, Gordon, I think that is the most planned one we've ever done, which means that <laughs> next week it's not going to be planned at all. Well, I'm going to put my feet back quite hard after that. I'm going to have a little yeah. finish off of the Legacy 2. Gordon, your health, and we will chat again in episode 6. And this, ladies and gentlemen, will be out on Monday the... That's the 5th of October. The 5th, is it the 5th? Monday the 5th. Yes. Episode 5. Uh, Cheers. But you won't know that until you hear it, which is <laughs> <on> Monday. <laughs> Your time travel, Gordon. Yeah. Your oh. time travel. All the yeah. best. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye.